Today, we're going to do a memorial service after a bit at the end of the service for Calvin, Patrick, Richie, Keener. 19 months old. And he died of leukemia. How is Deacon Basil, how are Deacon Basil and Barbara to take this? Or their daughter, Teresa, and their son-in-law, Mark? Or Patrick, the godfather? How are we to take this? How are we to deal with this? Because it is a great grief. How are we going to deal with death? Now, I've spoken on this several times. You say, Father, it's because you're getting older. That's a very small part of it. What it has to do with is not my getting older, but how you live. How you live your life and how you understand these things. It's incredibly significant. In the gospel lesson today, and I think maybe... Boys and girls, what was the gospel lesson about today? There was a lady that came and she wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, but where was Jesus on his way when that happened? Do you remember? And you <laughs> now, I love an answer like that. How many of you would have said that? You'd have just chickened out. Do you remember where Jesus was going? There was a little girl, and what had happened to the little girl? She died. Absolutely. And what did Jesus do? Now, Jesus did what? Whoa! Jesus raised that little girl from the dead. Now, let's think about this. One. This is an incredible situation. Here, Jesus, you know, uh, you know, this is a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. You know, he's a big shot. And uh, they didn't like Jesus as a rule. Most of the leaders of the synagogue were hostile to Jesus. We have no knowledge that Jairus had ever been hostile to the Lord. But one thing is for sure, he's not in the regular mold of those that were leaders of the synagogues. He has a little girl, and he does what most dads would do if their little girls are sick. Whether he liked Jesus or not, he did what needed to be done, and he went to Jesus. And he asked for the Lord to come and help his daughter. Jesus is on his way. I, I see this picture. I don't know how many times I've seen this. Here's the Lord. Here's the disciples. Here's Jairus. And they're on their way to Jairus' house. And some woman is so selfish. I'm jesting, of course. Some woman is so selfish that she interrupts this thing. I mean, this little girl is sick. Time is of essence. In fact, the girl dies while Jesus is on the way. Shame on the woman who interrupted, right? No, very, very wrong. Jesus isn't bothered by such things as death and sickness and women with hemorrhages and so on. He just takes care of it all. At any rate, the woman stops the procession, you know, and she, all she does is touch Jesus. She touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed instantly, and she knows it. But then there's the conversation, you know, Jesus said, who touched me? And Peter has to get into it. Lord, everybody's pushing on you. What do you mean, who touched you? You know, all, all this takes place. Well, they get, to the, they get to the place, and then this is astonishing. They get there, and they say to Jairus, you know, she's dead. Don't bother the master any longer. 
she's gone. And, uh, and Jesus says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Now, this is just mind-boggling. You know what the people did? They laughed at God in the flesh. They laughed at the incarnate Son of the Father. They laughed at the eternal Word of God in His human flesh. They laughed at Him as if the Creator didn't understand who was alive or dead. Well, their problem was they didn't understand who was there. They didn't understand that they had the Almighty Creator of the heavens and earth. That we're going to confess in a few moments, God of God and light of light, very God of very God, uh, by, of one essence with the Father, by whom all things were made. The maker of little girls was there. He knows how to fix them. Okay, so they got there, and they laugh him to scorn. I mean, they don't just laugh, they laugh him to scorn. It's like, come on, Jesus. You know, you single men, you just don't understand what it's like to have a family. You don't even know when a child is dead. Oh, he knew quite well, and he understood why death was there, and there was grief with him because of death. We know that because of Lazarus' funeral. He puts everybody out except Peter, James, and John, and then he raises a little girl from the dead, and he gives her back to her parents. What a remarkable story. Why? What is this all about? And what does that have to do with Deacon Basil and Barbara or Mark and Teresa? What does this have to do with them? And what does this have to do with Calvin Patrick Ritchie Keener? What does it have to do with them? What it has to do with them that even though you have grief and even though we have grief over the loss of a loved one because it's appropriate to have grief over the loss of a loved one, we do not grieve as those who don't have any hope. As a matter of fact, what we are going to say today about Calvin Patrick Ritchie Keener, we're going to pray and we're going to say, Oh, God of spirits and of all flesh, who have trampled down death and made powerless the devil and given life to thy world, do thou the same, Lord, give rest to the soul of thy departed servant Calvin. In a place of brightness, a place of verdure, that's green, Chile Verde, Costa Verde, a place of brightness, a place of verdure. A lot of you didn't know what verdure was, did you? It's a green place. It's a meadow. It's nice. A place of brightness, a place of verdure, a place of repose. Whence all sickness, sorrow, and sign have fled away. That little guy in 19 months knew about as much sickness and sorrow and sign as a 19-month-old could experience. The little guy had leukemia from the time he was four and a half months. He spent over a year with it. Hospital, doctors, nurses, people poking him, sticking him, doing all kinds of stuff to him. Not a day when he was at complete peace. Now a place of brightness, a place of verdure, a place of repose. Whence all sickness, sorrow, and sign have fled away. That's not all that bad, now is it? You say, but Father, didn't we pray for him at St. Anthony every single Sunday? Absolutely we prayed for him every single Sunday. Well, but he died. What's the matter? Don't, don't, aren't your prayers effective? We always pray for those things that are for our salvation. 
We don't demand that God heal everybody. I've lived around people who demand that God heal everybody. Folks, if you think the world's getting overpopulated now, what if God stopped everybody from dying? This little girl died. Jesus didn't get there before. He didn't say to the woman, hey, lady, we got to take care of your hemorrhage later. I got a kid dying over here. I got to go get her. I got to catch her before she dies. No. Jesus had time for the woman and he had time for the child and he got there. The truth is the little girl experienced what she would have experienced and what she did experience later on in her life. She died, as has everyone on this earth, with the exception of Moses and Enoch, Moses probably, and surely Enoch and Elijah, and not even the Lord Jesus Christ himself escaped death. Voluntarily he submitted to death. Death is a reality that we are all going to experience. How do we handle it? And especially today, how do we handle the death of a child? There are a number of you in here who have experienced that. What do you do? Well, one thing, you say to yourself, my child, Janine, my child, Calvin, is in a place of brightness, a place of verdure, a place of repose. Folks, you've already got one there. You've got one there. In the world in which we live, getting one there is really an important thing, is it not? It sure beats not getting them there. But my point today is very important. What I'm really after is you say, or someone would say, if you don't, and if you don't, I do. How do I know this for sure? How do I know that Deacon Basil and Barbara can rest today knowing that their grandchild and that Patrick can know his godson is in a place of brightness, a place of verdure, a place of repose, whence all sorrow and sickness have fled away. How do we know? How can I be confident of that? I mean, somebody's going to surely say, oh, you Christians, all you do is you make up this stuff. Oh, you're afraid of life. You're afraid to face reality. Ah, death is just there. Forget it. And this God business is useless. No, it's not. Do you know why Jesus raised that little girl from the dead? Do you know why he raised that little girl from the dead? I'm not going to give you every reason, but I'm going to give you two this morning so that you know that your Janine is with him and so that you know that your Calvin is with him because if he can take care of that little girl, he can take care of your little girl and he can take care of your little boy. He can take care of them. You say, well, how do you know all this? How do you know that he did this? How can you be sure? Because in the epistle, in the gospel we read at Matins this morning, what we read was, many other signs did Jesus in the presence of disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written. This one about the little girl, that's one of them. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ that's the anointed one, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now, he's, that you might believe he is the what? The Christ, the anointed one. Now, to any Jew who had any knowledge of anything, what did it mean to be the Christ? It meant to be the king. 
The king of what? Of everything. The king of the kingdom of God. But Jesus is the king and his king. He's king over death. Jesus is king over death. At Easter, again, I mentioned this just a few weeks ago in a homily, but we sing at Easter, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. He just stomped it. He trampled it. Why? His death gives us the confidence that he himself overcame death, but in his healing of the little girl, he gives us confidence. Even in his earthly life, he gives us the confidence that he has the power over death. Who else raised anyone from the dead ever in the history of the whole world? One person did. Remember? Who did? Yeah, the prophet, Elijah, raised somebody from the dead, raised a child from the dead. Marvelous. How'd he do it? Well, he did it by the power of God. That's how he did it. Now, what the deacon Basil and Barbara, what anyone who has, whom death has come to in some way or another, what you need, what you need is some evidence. Now, St. Paul, for example, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That would be Calvin. That would be Janine. They have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. I do believe that Christians are the most pitiful people on earth if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Well, but how can I be sure? Folks, we were not left without evidence. Evidence of at least two kinds. First of all, there is what I will call today the external evidence. How many people saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead? Five hundred. Who was the first who saw him rise from the dead? Mary Magdalene. Now, when she saw him, she said, Oh, Jesus, am I glad to see you again. Who did she think he was? She thought he was the gardener. Why? Because Mary Magdalene was no dumbbell. She knows people don't rise from the dead. That's why she didn't think it was Jesus. He had to say to her, and he, she had to hear that voice, Mary. Peter, James, John saw him. The disciples saw him, but not just the disciples. 500. Folks, you can fool one. You can fool 12. You can fool 50. But you're not going to fool 500. You just aren't going to. Furthermore, from an historian's point of view, if you examine the details around the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're out of your ever-living head if you don't say it's a reality. We are not left without external evidence that Jesus conquered death. And we have the evidence that he raised this little girl from the dead, and we have the evidence that he raised that woman's son from the dead, the widow's son. They were carrying the guy out in a beer, and Jesus raised him from the dead. We are given the evidence that Jesus has the power to raise not only himself, 
but to raise us from the dead. We have that external evidence, and there is so much more. Secondly, though, there is also an internal evidence. It is an evidence that is so incredibly important. If you were to ask the question, how do you know that your wife loves you? How do you know? Oh, there's some external evidence. But I haven't the slightest doubt, or if you were to ask her, Mary Ellen, does that guy really love you? And she's going to say yes. How does she know? Because God has given us, are you with me? A knower. He's given us a knower inside. The Greeks had a word for it. They called it the noose. It's not your rational mind. It's your knower inside. It involves the eyes of your heart. It involves the ears of your heart. It, it involves the senses of your heart. So you have not just the external evidence, but you also have that internal evidence, evidence where, where there is a witness within your heart. You look at both. One without the other is not enough. You need them both. You need the external and you need the internal. You need them both and they need to work together. But you have that confidence. And so, good deacon, you can have confidence today that you've sent a grandson to glory. Grandmother, you can know with confidence you've sent a grandchild to glory. Patrick, you can know you sent a godson to glory. You have a child in glory praying for you. You see, that takes, that takes the sting out. Does it leave us sorrow? Of course it leaves us sorrow. The relationship is gone. The familiarity is gone. To bounce the child on your knee is gone. That's gone. A grandmother loves that. You can't go shopping for him again. We grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve with great hope knowing, knowing, because of the evidence, external and internal, that those who have departed in Christ, all of them, and that includes you when your day comes, will depart to be with Christ in glory. Is this good news? Is this good news? This is fabulous news. It's marvelous. So take courage today. Take courage in the raising of this little girl from the dead. Take courage that we have great hope. Take courage that we have been given evidence that our faith is certainly not futile, but powerful unto God for our salvation.